what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> so let's all rise and see what God has in store for us today. I'm reading from uh, Matthew 6, starting at 5 to 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your rooms, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they have, will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men in their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. May these words be added to your hearts. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. So, um, as you know, our, our pastor fell ill some time ago and, and underwent treatment. It's been a little over a month now. Uh, and it's been really interesting in a lot of ways, uh, an opportunity for uh, stretching and growth for us as a congregation, um, and really affirming in many ways as well. Uh, we've really begun to discover how much of an integrated community the Church of God really is. Uh, you know, the Church of God is not just us here in Thornhill, it's believers all over the world. Um, and as Ken fell in, we needed to make uh, plans for uh, uh, covering uh, pastoral-type duties and preaching. Uh, you know, we put out a call for help, uh, particularly among the, the NAB churches uh, in Alberta. And it's, it's amazing just, you know, how many people have come forward and stepped up to help. And, uh, you know, it's just a really good reminder of of the bigger, wider body of Christ that we're all part of. Uh, so I, I thank God for that, actually. And this morning, along that line, uh, uh, just like to also welcome Pastor Manuel from uh, the Spanish Alliance Church. Uh, they, they meet Saturday evenings, but uh, he and a few of the members from his congregation have joined us this morning. So good morning. Welcome. <laughs> and uh, our guest speaker this morning is... Uh, uh, oops, Gary, I forgot to pronounce your last name perfectly. Uh, Gary Hellard, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Uh, Gary attends Faith Community Church in Airdrie. Um, Gary served for many, many years with Youth, uh, Youth for Christ, uh, primarily out of Saskatoon, where he also pastored at a number of churches, uh, and also served as president for Youth for Christ for a number of years. Uh, Gary is uh, actually chair of the elder board at Faith Community, and... Uh, uh, stepped in at a fairly late uh, moment for us to, 
to share the word of God with us this morning. So, Gary, we really appreciate you coming this morning. Thank you. Let me start with my mantra. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'm going to hear from the Word of God. My heart is open. My spirit is clear. So that the power of Christ might come through. I don't know about you folks, but I'm... I'm a movie buff, especially Christian movies. Uh, whenever I find one or hear of one or something to do with the faith, I immediately try to go and find it. You may recall a series that was done a number of years ago by a church in the United States. Fireproof was one of their movies. Courage was another. The one I liked the best was called Facing the Giants. Because uh, I'm a bit of a sports fan, and facing the Giants was what this film was all about. The coach, a Christian coach of a high school football team, had been there for many years, not had very much success winning football games. And he was quite discouraged because he had overheard some of the leaders of the school setting a plan to get rid of him and elevate the assistant coach to become the coach. This discouraged him a great deal, but there was one scene in that particular movie that touched me. There was a pastor in the community that would go to this school every single day, and he would walk down the hallways, and as he walked, he would touch each of the lockers, and he would pray. Didn't know who owned the locker, but he would pray for who, whichever student was behind that locker that God would somehow have an impact on their life. And it's one, the story goes on that, that uh, this pastor was in the church one day, and it was late in the evening, and he was doing his prayer time, and he crossed past the door of the coach, and he saw the coach in there, and he just uh, kind of peeked in and then carried on. The coach saw him, and he, he kind of went back, and he, he said to the coach, I just want you to be encouraged. God is with you, and I, I want you to be encouraged. And he left and went on about his prayer time. As he was about to leave the school, the coach came out of his office and he went up to the pastor and he said, Pastor, did you really mean what you said? Did God really tell you that? He said, yes, he did. Yes, he did. He said, well, I, I've been pretty discouraged these last days and these last weeks. I've been despondent and I just don't know what to do. Pastor said, I'll tell you a story about two farmers. They both were good farmers. They both had lots of land for crop. But the crops weren't growing. They asked God to help them with their crops. They wanted to plant their crop and have it grow. Nothing was happening. Then the pastor said, you know, both, both those farmers did two different things. One continued just to, to, to have his prayer ritual, and the other began to prepare his fields for the crop. 
Which one do you think, the pastor said, God blessed? The coach said, the one who prepared his fields. God will honor you, pastor, or God will honor you, coach, in his time. You need to prepare your field for his blessing. I was challenged by that as I watched it many times. And that drew me to a time when I wanted to create a series of messages called Preparing the Church for God's Blessing in the 21st Century. Preparing the Church to receive his blessing in this new century and this new culture. And there's a six-part message, and I'm not going to give it all to you today. But I'm going to talk about what I believe is the, the most important ingredient and the foundation to receiving that blessing. And I entitled my message, although it says up there, teach us to pray, because I'm going to comment on that statement by the disciples. Really it is having a conversation with God. Having a conversation with God. I believe with all my heart that your pastor... And I believe when he returns that his heart will continue to beat with a desire to have an impact on this community. I believe that you're bored in the center of their hearts. And as I heard your prayers this morning, you want to have an impact on this community. You want to see Thornhill Baptist Church have an impact on the city of Calgary. That's the center of all of our hearts as believers. But we need to ask ourselves, are we really preparing for God's blessing? Are we really preparing ourselves for this culture, for this group of young men and young women who make up this culture? I believe that in preparation one must take the vision and dreams from the boardroom and from the dinner table to the throne room and begin to converse with God about that vision have an actual conversation with him. Now I know you will look at me and say, I've never heard God speak to me. I've spoke to him a lot. I share an illustration that happened with me a number of years ago. I was speaking at a teen camp, and uh, they were building a new new chapel. And there was a working crew there of young men who were working on this chapel while I was having fun with the teenagers. We happened to be down at the beach that day, and they were trying to teach me to water ski. And I'm like a big whale when I get in the water, and I didn't do real well. But they had a lot of fun with it. And as we were walking back up from the beach together, all the teenagers, a young man come running out of the church, running out of the, the, the new building. And he had cut his thumb right down the middle on a skill saw. And he is kind of holding it, and, and the kids all gathered around. The nurse quickly came and said, put pressure on it and hold it above your heart. And the kids, of course, are, are having all kinds of reactions. Uh, uh, the nurse gave instructions, you go phone the ambulance, you go phone this and, and, and get everything prepared. I'm standing back watching this at a bit of a distance. And I heard this voice in the stillness of my spirit. Gary, pray for that boy 
and I will heal him. Just as clear as that. I step back. You know what my first thought was? Lord, I'm not a Pentecostal. I'm a Baptist. That's my thought. I mean, that's my indoctrination. And so uh, I continued to watch with that thought in my mind, and that voice came back again, not powerful, not screaming, not shouting, but gentle and quiet. Gary, I want you to pray for that boy, and I'll heal him. And so I bowed my head, and I got in the prayers position, and I said, Dear Lord, and I heard one more word, out loud, out loud. Story is, I didn't do it. I went home, and for weeks and weeks and weeks, I was plagued with that. That voice was so clear. And I just didn't do it. So I asked God, I said, Lord, forgive me for my sin, forgive me for my, my weakness, forgive me for my doubt, forgive me for my fear. Give me another chance and I'll do it. Now, if any of you have a cut thumb this morning, <laughs> I'm ready. But it was a conversation that God had with me. It was actually a conversation, and that's what I want to speak about this morning. You know, Jesus declares in John 15 that apart from him, we can do nothing. There's nothing that we can do as a church or a body of believers without Christ. We don't have the ability. He says, without me, you can do nothing. The great Puritan minister, William Grunel, when seeking to be effective for God, one does well to ask the question of themselves, what are, rely, what are we relying upon? He goes on to say, when we rely upon education, we get what education can do. When we rely upon skill, we get what skill can do. When we rely upon technology, we get what technology can do. When we rely on organization, we get what organization can do. But, we went, but when we rely on communicating to God, we get what God can do. When we rely upon communicating with God, we get what God can do. Very powerful statement and, 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 and had a lot of meaning for me as I thought through that over the years uh, in my pastoral. The question is, do we really know how to have a communication with God? We know how to pray, and I, I, I want to commend you. I want to commend you this morning. I'm going to take this back to our church. And I'm an elder, so I'm really going to lay it in thick. You see, we don't have the prayer time in our church that you had this morning. That impressed me. I mean, I was really impressed that you actually take time to kind of settle down and have the congregation say prayers, not just the leader not just the worship leader, but you began to pray. That was impressive to me. But I want to talk about prayer in a sense that's an actual conversation. See, I believe a relationship with God is a two-way street. 
I believe he saved me, and I, and I was 35 years old, found Christ, or Christ. I didn't always have that. Had a powerful impact on my life. Uh, I quit my job six months after I found Christ and said, I got to know more about this. So I, off I went to Bible college and then seminary so that I could find out what it really meant to, to love God. And for 30 years since then, now, now I'm giving away my age. In case you can't add, I'm 70. And the 35 years, the second 35 years of my life has been the greatest 35 years of my entire life as I found my relationship with Christ. If you go back to Luke 11, I, I, I give you the context of what I'm about to share today. In Luke 11, when Jesus, it says, once when Jesus had been out praying, one of his disciples came to him as he finished and said, Lord, teach us to prayer, uh, teach us a prayer to recite, just as Don t John taught one to his disciples. And hence we have the Lord's Prayer. Jesus answered that and responded to that by saying, This is how you shall pray. But when you look at, the, look at Matthew and you look at the first five verses, uh, the first verses from five to eight, it gives us a context, I believe, in the difference between reciting a prayer and having a communication with God. And I say there's four things I would like to bring to our attention this morning. First, we need to realize our prayer is to impress God with us more than to impress us with God and our needs. Communication with God is to, for us to recognize that it's more important to God that he impresses himself with us more than us trying to impress ourselves with him. God is the one who created all things. We often begin our day by rushing into prayer, and I don't know about you, but after a while, my prayers always kind of get to be the same. Words change, people change, issues change, but it, I have this, this kind of habit of mine. And, and I find as I begin to recite it over and over and over again in a different way with different people and different things, I lose a sense of, of communication. I, I lose the sense that, that anything's going on. Our problems, our needs, our irritations. Unfortunately, this tends to reinforce our attention upon ourselves than our attention upon God. As we begin to recite our needs and our concerns and our wishes, where's the focus? The focus is on us. And really, if we want to have the communication with God, the focus has to be Him with us and that he's there in the room with us as we pray. Second one I want to say to you is effective prayer is empowered by recognizing, as I just said, you are in a conversation with Yahweh. You are in a conversation with the person who said, let there be light. You are in a conversation with the person who created Adam out of the dust of the ground. You are in conversation who created woman from the rib of Adam. You are in a conversation with the God who, created, who parted the seas. 
That's who you're speaking with. You're speaking with Almighty God. I don't know if you've ever thought when you're in your prayer room or at your kitchen table or wherever you happen to have your prayer that right across from you sits God. I don't think we ever imagine that. But you know, that's the reality of conversation with God. He is right there. And he wants to have a conversation with us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to spend time with us in a meaningful way. Lyndon B. Johnson, the President of the United States, uh, uh, some of you are, are getting long in a tooth like me, and so we remember LBJ. Some of them, when I talk to this to young people, I say, who's that? They don't know that, but I remember Lyndon B. Johnson. One day, one, one week, he had several guests at a meal room in the White House. LBJ had given the honor of giving grace to a journalist by the name of Bill Moyers. And by the way, Bill Moyers is an ex-Baptist pastor. As Moyers began to softly say grace, LBJ could not understand what was being said, interrupted Moyers, speak up, man. Without looking up and barely stopping in mid-sentence, Bill Moyers replied, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Jesus says our communication is with our Father in heaven. It's not with anybody else. It's with him alone. It's with Yahweh, the one who created all things. It's a personal conversation. It resembles the sit-down heart-to-heart you might have with your children at your table. That's what it means to have a conversation with God, is to realize that you're sitting down as a family. You're sitting down as a father. We call our Heavenly Father, the Bible says he is Abba Daddy. Imagine your conversation with your dad. Imagine your conversation with your mom. That's what con having a conversation with God is. It's that personal. It's that close. It's that intimate. You can say anything to God, just as you would say anything to your spouse. Well, maybe not everything. You know, if the dress doesn't really look as good as she thought it does, you really don't tell her. But it's an intimate relationship. It's like sitting down. It's personal. It's relational. Third thing I want to bring to your attention, effective prayer does not require long dissertations. We often get caught in the trap in our prayer thinking the more we say, the more God hears us. Sometimes we get to the point where we're kind of defending our prayer before God, explaining to him why we're making this prayer, why we're praying these things. But my Bible says, as was read this morning, he knows what you want before you even ask him. He already knows your prayer. He already understands why you're asking what you're asking. He knows all the circumstances around it, but sometimes we can get caught up in, in, in going on and on and on. And don't, don't hear me wrong, I think that's appropriate at times. I, I, I don't know who the lady was praying this morning. It was a blessing. It was a blessing to hear her share her heart. So I don't think that I'm saying that you can't have long prayers but don't let the prayers get so long that you, you, you lose sight of what you're praying about. You get distracted. You get off base. You go in different directions. 
because we don't need to have this. I was reminded of that a number of years ago. While I was in my final year at seminary, uh, a little Mennonite community in Saskatchewan uh, were without a pastor. And so they were doing as you were doing. They were having people come and do interim pulpit fill uh, while they looked for a new pastor, had a pastoral search. And so they'd, they'd got in contact with the school, and at that time I was actually doing some work during school with World Vision of Canada. And so uh, one of the professors, well, look, there's a chap here from World Vision. I'm sure he would be glad to go out and speak about the ministry of World Vision. And so they called me, and I said, sure, I'd, I'd be glad to do that. So I went out there, and I, I preached in the morning, and then there was this, those are in the days when there are morning and evening services, and then there's an evangelical service in the evening. And so I preached in the morning, and I did an evangelical service in the evening. And uh, the chairman of the board asked me, Gary, would you, uh, do you want to come over for a cup of coffee, a piece of pie? And if you know Mennonite women, they make great food. So I was not going to turn it down in any way, shape, or form. I said, sure. And so when I got there, there were about three or four other men there with them and, and their wives, and we had a nice fellowship. But this... This chairman kept asking me questions, like, what do you think about the rapture? What do you think about uh, baptism? What do you, and he was grilling me, and I thought, I was focused on myself. I thought, man, this guy really is hungry for things of the Lord. I better really, you know, school him. Little I did I know he was candidating me. And so when I got home that night, about 12 from... Uh, from Herbert, who I was were living in Regina when I got home uh, that night about 12 o'clock. About 12.30, the phone rang, and it was Bill, the chairman of the board, and he, he asked me if, we, if I would consider becoming their pastor. And, and I said, well, I still have one year left of school. He said, oh, we understand that. We will we'll actually pay for your final year of school, and, and you can just come out on the weekends. So I did that for a year, and one weekend... When my wife didn't come with me, it was just my son and I. And this goes to the illustration of effective prayer does not require long dissertations. We had spent the day there, and then we were driving home, and I thought, here's a good opportunity for me to talk to my son. And we're here together, just the two of us. We've had a good day together. So I thought I'll have a communication with him, have a time with him. So I said, how, how, how's school? Fine. Ready for basketball? Yep. Are you hungry? Nope. Are you thirsty? Nope. You've been there. But it became apparent to me that he just didn't feel the need to explain his answers. He knew he was my son, and I loved him deeply. He felt no reason to explain to me his answers, as he understood as my son, I knew basically everything about him. That's exactly how it is with our Heavenly Father. He knows who we are. He knows all about us. We don't have to explain to him why we're doing what we're doing. He already knows that. He even just wants to hear the fine, the yep, no, no. He just wants to hear from us. He wants to have that conversation with us. And fourthly, hearing, and perhaps the most important thing I'm going to share with you today, that is hearing 
The answers to your prayers requires a spiritual stillness. To hear God actually communicate. Communication is a two-way street with God. He wants to hear from you, and he wants you to hear from him. In order to do that, it requires a spiritual stillness. How did you feel this morning? This is a reciprocal question, so you can shout it back if you like. That's all. I'm okay with that. How did you feel this morning after the worship leader said, you know, we're going to pray, we're going to let you give you an opportunity to pray, and there was a time of silence. Tell me what was going on in your head. Anything? A song. Eh? A song. A song? Yeah. Really, you wanted, some, you wanted some noise to be made. Because silence is uncomfortable. Sometimes we can get so concerned with silence, we try to make it loud by doing something. But stillness is a mighty ingredient for us to hear God's answers. You know, we start our prayer life with giving some praise to God. So we drop in some praise. And then we come along and we, we talk about our personal needs, our crises, or crises in our church, or crises in our family. So we drop those into our prayer life. And then we come along and we start to pray for, for things in the world, and we start, start to pray for things around us. So we drop all kinds of things in our prayer, because we think we can't just pray for 30 seconds. We have to pray for some period of time for God to hear us, and to know how much we love Him, and to, to know how much we care for Him and, and His world. And pretty soon our prayer life gets pretty clouded. And when it gets clouded like this, we can't hear any answers. Because there are so many things there that we just can't hear the answers, even if God is giving them to us, because we tend to have a clouded prayer. But if we add some quietness of our mind, we add some of that into our prayer life, if we add some quiet heart, we add some of that into our prayer life. And we add some quiet spirit. And we add that into our prayer life. And prayer will begin to make a difference. The missing ingredient in hearing from God is silence.
can't believe how quiet you were. That's the missing ingredient. That we would just quiet ourselves to the place where God doesn't have to try to scream about all the things that are going on. One of the exercises I did, and I'm going to use a chair. I hope they're not fastened to This was taught to me years and years ago by a person who I consider to be a unique prayer warrior in one of the churches I pastored. And he said to me, Gary, he said, I want you to tell me how you pray. And I said, well, I, go, I usually go to my office or to my, uh, my lazy boy chair, and I read the Bible, and I pray. He said, I want you to tell me what you do with your hands. I said, well, normally they're either like this on my lap or sometimes I'll pray in a pray position. And he said, I want you to try something. After you've given all your requests, I want you just to be quiet, just to be still. And he said, I want you to do something with your hands. He said, if you're praying like this, notice your hands are locked. Or he said, if you're praying like this, notice your hands are, are turned down on your, on your knees. He says, you may not realize it or not, but you're kind of locking everybody out of your life at that time. He said, I want you to try this. In the quietness, just begin to open your hands like this. Just open your hands up as a symbol that you're opening your heart to hear from God. It's a big ingredient we miss. We often go into our devotional time, into our family time, into our teaching time, and we pray, and then we get on about our business. And our prayer is all cloudy. But if I left this long enough with the chemicals I put in there, that would become crystal clear again like water. Because it's in the quietness when God can sort out through all of the cloudiness of your prayer, now he begins to talk to you. And his words and or his meaning or his intent will come through something like this. It may not always change your situation, but a conversation with God will change you. If our request is wrong, God will say no. If our request, if our timing is wrong, God, God will say slow. If we are wrong, God will say no. If our request is right and his timing is right and we are quiet before him, God can say go. Stillness of the heart. Opening yourself up to let God speak to you. I've tried to build into my prayer life and do as I say, don't do as I do. I've tried to build into my prayer life at least, least 50% of stillness to what I prayed. 
If I've prayed for five minutes, I want to give two and a half minutes of stillness at the end. Where I can clear my heart, clear my mind, clear my spirit. And I've got to tell you that God begins to have an impact. Does, do you hear a voice coming out of the wall or do you hear writing on the wall as it is expressed in the Bible? No, but you hear spirit to spirit God's intent for you and answers to your prayers. That happened to me this morning. I was in bad shape this morning, I've got to tell you. I had my Bible, not this one. I had my notes and I was coming down the Deerfoot, and I had my little, that little digma-jig you put in the computer so you can do that, what he was doing up there, those sticks. I had that all prepared. And I wanted to be here really early so I could spend some time just in the facility praying and, and searching my heart. And what I forgot is my notes and my Bible and my little stick was on the hood of my car because I put a coffee in there to drive on the way here. And I'm old enough to forget things. And I forgot it was on the roof of my car. And I'm barreling out here to come here, and I got just about the 64th. And I've been praying. I've been having a conversation with God. I've been talking to him. I said, these are your children, Father. You need to, you need to extract from what I have to say what you want them to hear. And all of a sudden... I heard this, I'm not heard, I felt this, something's missing. And a light came on. On the top of my roof was everything I had. And I'm, I'm going down Deerfoot, so I, I even thought perhaps he protected it and it was still there. <laughs> so I pulled over. Jumped out of the truck, and I would, you know how you are, you just kind of creep up hoping, I hope it's... No, I wasn't there. So I phoned my wife, and I said, Alice, can you quickly run outside on the driveway and see if my notes and, and my Bible and everything is there? She said, well, I, I said, don't ask why, just please go and do that for me. <laughs> okay, I'm going right now. She went out and said, no, there's nothing here. I thought, oh, man. So I turned around, screaming back to Airdrie to get my notes and another Bible. I unfortunately had a copy of rough notes on my desk. And I got back here in time and brought my, my laptop computer so we could do the disc. But all the way coming back, all the way going there, I, was, I wasn't mad at God, but I was really talking to him loud. You know, and I was begging him, I, God, I beg you, make sh please, can I find that? You know, it's everything, you know, these are your children, and I'm actually begging him, and I'm, I'm pretty worked up by this time. I mean, my steering wheel is getting a, a good scolding, mostly about myself. How stupid are you, and all the, you know, how you get when you do something really dumb, you just kind of start accusing yourself. And I got home, and I grabbed that, and I'm still hollering and shouting on my way back. And then... I, I just said to myself, no, you need to hear God now. And I just shut down. I just shut down. And the only answer I got in my spirit was, Gary, it's okay. It'll be fine.
Sometimes we think that's our own thoughts. But when you've been pleading with God, it's not your own thoughts. It's his spirit communicating with your spirit. And there was a peace that came over me that I just said, it'll be okay. But it came from the quietness. The quietness. The times of quiet. Father, you are daddy. Your Bible says, your word says that you are our daddy, our Abba Father. And we know, Heavenly Father, that you want to have a conversation with us. And I confess in my own life, Father, that I'm good at the ritual of prayer. But it's taken me a long time to understand a conversation with you. That you actually want to speak with me and talk with me and love me in a special way. And so, Father, I pray by your Spirit that you will take the nuggets of truth this morning and embed those in the hearts of your children and destroy the things that aren't quite connected properly. Because, Father, we depend on your Spirit to be our teacher. So grant a blessing to each one today, Father. And may a special blessing go out even at this moment, even at this second. May Pastor Ken hear your sweet voice saying everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. So, Father, we commit him to that end. And we thank you, Holy Father, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, for being, having your presence here. And we give you gratitude in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. do something a little bit uh, different here, so uh, forgive me, but I think I'm going to change the hymn to number 449, so...